Welcome to RBC's Markets in Motion podcast, recorded March 14, 2022. I'm Lori Calvacina, Head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclaimers. This week in the podcast, we run through a few new thoughts on Russia-Ukraine from a U.S. equity market perspective. Three big things you need to know. First, the big obvious risks to our call on the S&P 500 are the possibility that the Russia-Ukraine war will turn into a prolonged conflict involving NATO or the possibility that the U.S. slips into recession. So we took a look at the historical playbook for stocks during World War II and past recessions as a starting point for how to think about the possible downside levels in the index should either of these risks materialize. Second, we're starting to see some shifts in momentum and political polling data back in Biden and the Democrats' favor, which are worth keeping a close eye on given the midterm elections coming up this fall. And third, public company commentary on the Russia-Ukraine crisis has surged, and while most companies have said direct exposure is minimal, the broader conversation reflects a significant degree of uncertainty surrounding the impact of the event, reinforcing to us that the stock market either needs more time to digest what's happening or an outright de-escalation of the conflict in order to stabilize. If you'd like to hear more, here's another six minutes. While you're waiting, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple and other major platforms. Now the details. Takeaway number one. We took a look at the historical playbook for stocks during World War II and past recessions as a starting point for how to think about possible downside levels in the index should either of these risks materialize. Halima Croft, who runs RBC's commodity and geopolitical research team, has warned that a Russian attack on one of the Baltic states is one of the gravest near-term threats and could pull NATO into the conflict. She's been telling investors to prepare for a worsening of the situation. On the economic side, while our head of U.S. economics, Tom Porcelli, isn't calling for a recession at this time, he has said that the move in gas prices will pull a point out of growth and the tail risks are growing fatter. So what does the historical playbook tell us about both of these risks for the market? In terms of the broadening out of the conflict, the key stat to keep in mind is that the S&P 500 lost 43% of its value from the time that Germany invaded Poland in September 1939 to its April 1942 trough, sandwiched in between Pearl Harbor, which ended U.S. isolation, and the Battle of Midway, which was a major turning point in the war. In terms of recession risk dating back to the 1930s, the S&P 500 falls 32% on average peak to trough, remarkably similar to the 34% drop seen in 2020 during the pandemic. The range around recessions has been about 14 to 57% in terms of the total drawdown. To put it into context for today, if the S&P 500 loses 32% of its value from its January 2022 high, in other words, pricing in the average recession drop, the index would fall to the 3,200-3,300 range. If it were to lose 43%, similar to World War II, it would end up around 2,700. For now, we continue to operate under the assumption that the current crisis will end up being a growth scare, which takes the stock market down 14 to 20%, similar to the drawdowns of 2010, 2011, 2015, 16, and late 2018. Fast and furious rebounds were seen on the other sides of those bottoms. What we've done today is simply to highlight possible downside scenarios if that growth scare framework ends up being too conservative. Moving on to takeaway number two, we're starting to see some shifts in momentum and political polling data back in Biden and the Democrats' favor. Looking at the real clear politics data, Biden's approval rating has started to move up, while those who say the country is headed in the right direction has also started to improve. Admittedly, both stats are still quite low, but a positive shift in direction does seem to be underway. Meanwhile, views on Democrats in the generic congressional ballot have also stabilized, while views on Republicans appear to have peaked in January and have been moving down. 
This is important because it suggests a risk to the consensus view on the policy backdrop for stocks may be starting to emerge. Most investors we've spoken with over the past few months have assumed the Republicans will do well this fall. Views on Biden and the Democrats have been getting dragged down by inflation, which is likely to remain a problem for the while, and COVID, which is getting better. But the Russian invasion of Ukraine may be managing to do something the pandemic could not, unite Americans. Indeed, a recent Wall Street Journal poll indicated that 79% favored a ban on Russian oil imports, even if it caused higher gas prices in the U.S. We've seen similar stats in other polls. Wrapping up with takeaway number three. Public company commentary on the Russian-Ukraine crisis has surged, and while most companies have said direct exposure is minimal, the broader conversation reflects a significant degree of uncertainty surrounding the impact of the event. That reinforces to us that the stock market either needs more time to digest what's happening, or an outright de-escalation of the conflict is needed in order to stabilize. We've read through comments made on Russia and Ukraine by nearly 100 S&P 500 and Russell 3000 companies across all sectors last week. In regards to the conflict. These were comments made at investor conferences, both RBC events and other major firms, analyst days, investor days, and a few earnings calls were also sprinkled in. In most of these, the conversation on Russia and Ukraine amounted to a single question or two. It wasn't the dominant issue in focus. Within the Russia-Ukraine conversations, the most common theme was the idea that U.S. companies have minimal direct exposure, along with general disapproval of the invasion and concern for affected employees. After that, inflation and supply chain implications, suspended operations and activities in the region, hits to demand, the creation of uncertainty in the outlook, and the sanctions came up the most in terms of hot topics. On supply chains, a broad range of issues were highlighted, including keeping an eye on semis and fuel costs, challenges with lumber, insurance, and shipping credit checks. Coming in next on the list of topics discussed within the Russia-Ukraine discussions were energy prices and Europe, where several consumer and internet-related companies noted weakness in the broader region had already been seen. Fundraising and support for refugees and humanitarian efforts were also in focus, along with discussions of raw materials and metals. In terms of other interesting nuggets that we gleaned from a few companies, several highlighted how they were helping their clients manage through the risk and uncertainty, and several emphasized that they would manage through this challenge for their own company just as they did with COVID. A few healthcare companies also pointed out that some clinical trials would be affected, and several media and financial firms observed that the appetite or need to understand this crisis was massive, another testament to the knowledge vacuum that seems to be in place at the moment. There's always a quote or two that lingers in my mind after I do a batch of transcript reading. This time, one of those came from a consumer and industrial-related company who compared where we are with Russia and Ukraine to how they were thinking about COVID back in March of 2020, the last time they attended the conference they were presenting from. They said, and I was thinking about the last time I was here. The question at the time was COVID. How was COVID going to impact your business? And as I said back then, we really don't know. Well, it wound up having a significant impact over a long period of time. And I think we're in the same stages with Russia right now. This is so early, it's just so hard to tell exactly what it will be. We share that concern as well and think this was well said. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out our sister podcast, RBC's Industries in Motion, for thoughts on specific sectors from RBC's team of industry analysts. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives. Music